Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Jim Morgan, Chief Financial Officer for CallRail. As Chief Financial Officer, Jim leads CallRail's accounting, talent, customer experience, IT, and business operations teams. Prior to CallRail, Jim held CFO positions at Stratix, Cardlytics, Liaison Technologies, and Newbridges, and led these companies through rapid growth and organizational change. Jim began his career at the Walt Disney Company and was an associate at the Goldman Sachs before catching the bug for high-growth technology companies. Jim holds a BS in industrial engineering from Stanford University and an MBA from UCLA Anderson. He currently lives in Alpharetta with his wife and has two sons. Outside of work, Jim enjoys hiking, sports, and spending time outdoors with his family. Hello, Jim, and thank you for joining me on today's episode. Hi, Megan. It's great to join you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, today we're going to be discussing your story and learning from your experiences working with high-growth companies. You've done and seen a lot, so I'm looking forward to this discussion. Likewise. Look forward to sharing a little bit more and talking about CallRail. Yeah, let's first start with you. If you could just kind of walk us through your journey and how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure. So I've been in and around the technology, software, sort of managed service space for the last 20 years. But I have to say, I actually started with some larger companies before moving into the technology space, where most of my career has been working with companies in growth phase and trying to reach scale. A lot of those companies are typically either venture capital backed or private equity backed and are looking to sort of accelerate growth. But I actually started my career at the Walt Disney Company as a financial analyst and sort of learned my skills there covering a broad array of businesses and had some great resources to tap into. Then like most folks in my profession, decided to take a couple of years and get an MBA and did that. And it was kind of the natural next step for an analyst three years into their career. And then I did something a little different, not really kind of in that corporate planning, financial planning sort of realm. But I I took a job working on Wall Street in a sales and trading job. So I spent about a year selling corporate bonds to large institutional shareholders and mutual funds and pension funds. I enjoyed my job, was having a great time. But a person I went to business school called me in March of 2000 and said, hey, we're doing some really interesting things at this startup. Why don't you come check it out? And then as most sort of job opportunities turn out, ended up jumping ship and and leaving a really good Wall Street job to go to an early stage company at the time, which was called CMI Marketing. Went through some turbulent times for those folks who remember 2000 in the spring of 2000 with sort of a market meltdown in the technology and internet stocks. But I really learned a ton that first job and really became sort of hooked on these early stage technology growth companies. So much change, so much potential and new ideas and new sort of products that were coming to market. And from there, you know, really kind of caught the bug and stayed with the early stage companies. I was doing that in New York City. Personally, when we moved back, I'm from the South and from Atlanta. So moved back to Atlanta and worked with a series of early stage companies, New Bridges, That was in the B2B information exchange space. That was purchased by a company called Liaison Technologies and worked for that company for a couple of years. And then I went to a company here in Atlanta called Carlytics during its sort of pre-IPO stages. Had a great run there. And then before coming to CallRail, I was with a company called Stratix, 
which is in the mobile device management space. So, and then here at CallRail, I've been here about three years. You know, we're growing and these companies, a similar theme again, either private equity backed or venture backed and all trying to bring a new product to market, find a new market, introduce something new and grow and ultimately have some sort of uh, event for shareholders. So that's a quick encapsulation of my uh, last few years and career. Yeah, sounds like an amazing career. But as you look back on it, and maybe you touched on this a bit with your move from Wall Street to a startup, but are there turning points in your career when you look back? Sure. Yeah, that was definitely one making the big move from sort of the big company to a smaller company startup. When I made that jump, I certainly wasn't head of finance at the time in my career. But just given kind of market conditions and the company adapting and frankly downsizing, I found myself running in the head of the finance department, which was a small group. And my mentality pretty quickly changed from, hey, I'm in a finance group and it's all about just sort of doing forecasting and budgeting and planning. And now as a head of finance, there's very different sort of responsibilities and uh, view of the business. And I really didn't sort of think about that coming into that role and kind of got thrown into that, frankly. And it was such a great experience. It was eye-opening for me in terms of the potential for the head of finance or a CFO to position the influence they could have on the organization. And really the need that you need to know all aspects of the business because ultimately everything has some sort of impact on the P&L. And so knowing what the company is doing from a sales and marketing perspective or product development or customer service are all really part of the CFO's job. And I found I really enjoyed that. So that sort of naturally led me to stay with smaller companies. And then we'll say one other, you know, I was with a company called New Bridges. We actually combined with a company here in Atlanta called Liaison. And so going through an M&A transaction was certainly another defining moment in my career. A lot of times from the finance, it's easy to model these things out from a, what do the numbers look like and how can the two companies to come together? But what I found living through that, I was with the company before, and then I was fortunate to be able to be CFO of the combined company, is really all the people management and change management that's so critical to making M&A work. So I would say a lot of that's just hard to experience until you actually go through it or hard to understand. But that was certainly a great career sort of a move for me and a great learning experience for me. And when taking on a new role, particularly that of a CFO, what's your advice for hitting the ground running? I mean, how do you immerse yourself in the business? Yeah, you really do want to learn the business. So I, my advice would be to take the time to really understand how the business works, certainly how the business makes money, about the products and services, why the customers buy the product or services, what they like about it, what they don't like about it. Spend a lot of time internally on how actually things get done. A lot of these companies I've been with are on sort of the smaller scale. So call it 50 to 500 people. And there's just a way of how things are done or who can get things done that you really just have to spend time in the business to learn and understand. And um, really best do that through just conversations and meet and greets and just again, understanding the business. And I think that's really critical before kind of coming in with a playbook of these are the things that I want to do. Every company of this size is just so different that needs its own sort of tweaking, if you will, or own sort of approach to some things that you may have in mind that you want to do or the investors may have in mind that they want to do. But it's all about how you get that done in the most effective way. So I'd spend time on just getting to know the business, getting to know the people in the business. Yeah, that's great advice. So let's talk about your current organization, Colrail, and what it is that they do. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. We were founded in 2011 by Georgia Tech grad who actually then was a small business owner who set out to solve the problem of making call tracking more accessible to businesses who needed to know what was driving their phone leads. But these were small companies that he was working with, and they didn't have the big budgets to go out and buy these larger solutions. So with another Georgia Tech grad, they formed CallRail. So we've been around a little bit over 10 years and have had a great run in bringing a very easy-to-use, easy-to-buy product to small businesses that today, businesses really of all sizes, turn more leads into better customers through what we call today our lead intelligence platform. So that started with call tracking software and now has expanded to include enhancements such as form tracking, conversation intelligence, and now more recently, a business communication hub or tool for these businesses. Today, the company serves over 200,000 businesses. So I'd say from that metric, it's been pretty successful. And it's just a great company, super culture. And so I'm super excited to be here and uh, part of our continued success. Yeah, it sounds like a valuable product and 200,000 companies. Wow. Who's your ideal client? Is there one? Yeah, I think it's that small and medium-sized business who relies on phone calls to drive leads to their business. So typically from an industry perspective, that's home services or automotive or local healthcare or real estate and sort of agents, investors. Again, folks who you know, rely a lot on their lead sources from phone calls. And traditionally, a lot of times they didn't know what was making their phone ring. Right. If you searched on somebody for somebody online, found a phone number and called, they really didn't know the advertising that drove that customer or that lead to call them. And our software allows them to connect those dots between their marketing dollars and what's actually driving their leads and to optimize that marketing so that they can market more efficiently across all their customers and all their leads. And what are your proudest achievements since joining the company a few years ago? Yeah, I've been fortunate. We've grown tremendously. We've a little bit more than doubled our revenue in the last three years. So you can imagine all the sort of challenges and and opportunities that come from that. I think we've also doubled our employee size. So kind of thinking about everything that it's taken to do that from a revenue employee perspective, I would say, you know, building out the teams is probably the one of the areas I'm most proud of. I certainly had some folks who were in place, but augmented that with some new hires and and new sort of functions that we brought into the organization. Setting up processes and infrastructure, always a challenge at a growing company and finding the right balance between putting a process or procedure in place and yet allowing the company to remain flexible. And then finally, I would say just I'd like to think that I've contributed our overall sort of strategy and growth plans. I I think the role of CFO is to stay in tune with the market and competitors. And so hopefully I bring that perspective and approach to our strategic conversations in terms of what are we going to bring to market? What's going to be valuable? What else do our customers want? From the financial perspective, certainly I'm not as close to the product and competition as some folks in our organization, but I think I have a different view. So I think looking back, that's probably the most, those are the three things I'm most proud of over the last few years. Yeah, we'll come back to the talent topic in just a minute. But given that CallRail is turning insights or data into insights for their clients, how do you use that same approach within your own department? Yeah, I'm really fortunate here at CallRail that we are such a data-driven organization. And I have to give credit to the founders early on, just a little before I started, just realizing like the value of the data 
to inform health of the business, one, which is sort of baseline, but also just inform the future sort of strategy and day-to-day decision makings of the business. And so pretty early, and I would say pretty heavily, when the company is relatively small, so 100, 150 people in the technology and tools to allow us to really understand what's going on in our business in terms of customer use of the product, overall metrics and reporting, and just really making that accessible, not just to the finance team or accounting team, or really even to executive or senior management, but really throughout the organization. And so I would really say we've democratized data is kind of a term we've used across the company and allowing people to have insights into the business and ask new questions and come up with uh, new sort of thoughts on how we can perform better or new markets or new sort of services we should provide to our customers. And you mentioned tools and technologies. So what are the tools and technologies you're using to make your life easier? What are your favorites? Yeah. Yeah, I know this is pretty pretty data. And it's one of the areas that I think early on, we made a decision. We were using several sort of BI reporting tools. So just from a day-to-day perspective, just to be specific, we're a Looker shop. And I could say I'm constantly in Looker, certainly reviewing dashboards and reports, but even sometimes you know, being hands-on and creating my own and trying to save my team a little bit of work and the folks I work with and just you know, kind of a self-serve model of finding information. So that's sort of the customer-facing or our internal customer-facing tool. But all the infrastructure to get information from system to system, I think that's been probably one of the best investments the company has made to set up a good data infrastructure, a good data warehouse, our futures around a data lake, and then constantly thinking about how do we bring additional systems and informations into that sort of structure and system to provide even more information. So I know it's a little bit technical, but it's probably one of the things that I love is that I spend more time, really all my time thinking about like what questions can we ask and and looking at that information and how are we going to use this data versus early in my career. And a lot of companies, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get data And half your time is just, okay, if we pull this report and do this and and combine it together, I think we'll have something interesting to look at. And that really obviously takes away from the insights into the data and what does it mean and how can we help the rest of the organization use that information to do their jobs better or to help us grow faster or be more efficient, all those things. Yeah, dashboarding tools are pretty amazing these days. And it's true that a picture is worth a thousand words. It really has become, I won't quite say sort of the, the Excel for the finance world, but certainly having information and dashboards and reports and being not necessarily power users, but being well-versed in those tools, I think is really an important part of finance's job today. And getting back to you, I think you got your bachelor's degree in industrial engineering. Is that's that right. Uh, how has, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. How has that background influenced your journey in the financial field? Yeah, it's interesting. Just a little background. Like most probably high school seniors, you don't really know what you want to do. But I, I thought I wanted to do some sort of engineering. And crazy enough, I thought I wanted to do aeronautical or mechanical or something. And I, I really didn't know much about industrial engineering. I went off to school and learned, hey, there's this actual other engineering that's a little more sort of business focused. 
and thinks about process and you know continuous improvements and performance measurement. And in fact, today, I believe a lot of programs call industrial engineering, engineering management. And so that was a really good baseline for me to sort of go into business. I certainly didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And I think just the engineering degree in general, teaches you some critical thinking skills and and ability to sort of think through problems and sort of get to root cause and and question and think about how you attest a position or hypothesis. And that's certainly what I do and a a lot of folks in my position in small companies do every single day. So oddly enough, I think it's been a nice sort of complement to the business track. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be a valuable asset. Okay, so let's get back to talent for a minute. You mentioned that CallRail has doubled in size since you started just a few years ago. And just given the scarcity of talent right now, how are you guys managing to do that? How do you attract talent? Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest challenges, probably not surprising for a lot of companies and certainly for small companies and small companies who are competing in the technology space against some of the, some of the larger, better brands. I think... Even more challenging today in a remote world where it's harder to to have face-to-face meetings and sort of have a personal connection. But I think that's what we're leaning into here at CallRail is like, why are we different from other companies? We really stress our culture and our value statements. And um, really, I think like a lot of companies over the last two years, it's not just about the nine to five. It's about the whole experience, whether that's work-life balance certainly career development and kind of how we're preparing you for life throughout CallRail or how we're helping folks prepare skills as they go beyond their CallRail experience. So it's challenging. I think we've had to be creative in terms of personal relationships and trying to communicate You know how your culture is different or why it's great. But a lot of that comes down to just making connections. And so we certainly have a pretty robust interview process. And we think that's a positive from our experience in terms of introducing candidates and letting them, yeah, we can talk about the culture, but letting them experience that by talking to a lot of different people in the company across different departments. So that's probably one thing in terms of attracting new employees to the company and filling open roles. And with existing employees, it's really doubling down on those same sort of things, making sure that we really understand what employees want to do at work, what their career aspirations are, what projects do they like, what do they ultimately want to do in three or five years, which is kind of a trite question. But when you actually ask somebody, you learn a lot. And it really helps you think about as you kind of work with them day to day and and quarter to quarter, how can I get them involved in projects and help them build skills to actually go be able to do something they want to do three or five years from now. So it's been a really big focus for us and sort of our internal employee development programs to double down on that in the last really six months. Yeah, that's very interesting. I know most people, they love working remotely. They love the autonomy that comes with that. But I think most of us still want to feel connected. And so it's interesting that you said that. Yeah, I think we're like most folks trying to find the right balance. Personally, I wasn't a big fan of working remotely before the pandemic. I have, have changed and certainly appreciate the advantages advantages that that brings, but also realize that a lot of things at companies our size really happen through conversations that weren't the original intent of the first interaction or may have been outside the Zoom call. So we're trying to find the right balance of that and make that work for everybody while at the same time realizing the benefit that remote work now has. And other than talent, what are some of the greatest challenges that CFOs face at high growth companies? 
Yeah, I think we are, besides talent, for us just thinking about all the different priorities that we have going on, which are the ones that are going to have the highest impact and actually move the business forward? This is probably one of the biggest biggest sort of challenges that I think for companies our size. As I tell these, use the example, I think everyone in every department across our company has 10, 15, 20 priorities or new initiatives that they want to work on or could be working on, but realistically can probably work on three to five at any given time. And how do we sort through those best priorities and get the entire organization aligned around those? And that's a pretty big task in terms of the most having the most impact and the most impact on meeting our, our revenue goals and what we want to do. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge, prioritization. I think next is for us, it's think about sort of the admin groups and my groups in finance and accounting and BI or talent and support is how do we support these initiatives from across the company and help all these departments deliver on these pretty ambitious growth plans? So it's a little bit different from just doing your job well each day, but how do we make other folks' jobs and the company easier? Whether it's introducing a new process or removing some obstacles or through reporting that makes some of the insights into the business easier for them to be able to make better decisions. So that's another area that we're really focused on. And you've worked for quite a few startups. So what is it about working with entrepreneurs that you like? I love working with entrepreneurs, probably just because they're so different than my personality as a <laughs> as a finance person, which I think is just a natural sort of offset. First of all, I think entrepreneurs, to I really admire their ability to see a market opportunity, to see something that others have not seen before, and to to realize that there's actually a potential to build a business around that, which I think is clearly a very, very unique skill to have. And then goes along with that is then the, then sort of the, to be brave enough to actually a lot of times leave great stable jobs to go start these companies up. So the risk-taking perspective that they have to go actually capitalize on this idea or on this market need that they see, I think is really exciting. It's not just sort of my natural personality. So and I see that, I'm like, that's really interesting. And then I just like partnering with them in terms of bringing a different perspective to that and helping them realize those goals in terms of actually building a company. It's one thing to have a great product idea or to say, hey, look, I think if we did this, we could serve a great need in the market and have a bunch of customers. It's another thing to actually kind of build a company and have process and kind of think about how the company scales and recruits and builds teams and organizes. I like to think that I can bring some of those skills that, frankly, they probably shouldn't be thinking about and should be sort of thinking about the growth initiative initiatives and the, and the new ideas in the market. So yeah, I've been fortunate. I've been able to work with several founders, founding teams over my career, and, and all of them are unique and interesting in their own way. And I've learned a ton and, and admired them all and had a yeah. great experience with them. Sounds like a great partnership. And unlike you, I admire entrepreneurs so much. It's so foreign to me that they're able to like to do what they do. I think you do. You really have to have a mindset that you see something that that folks don't see. And I should also mention, there's this positivity and things are always possible, which for folks in the finance world isn't a general mindset for a lot of folks. We're maybe more skeptical and more sort of questioning, which is the nature of our role, certainly are a lot of functions within finance. And so I think that's a great trait for entrepreneurs. I think the majority of the time, it is, is extremely beneficial. I think 
there is an opportunity to balance that out. And so in the best situations that I've worked in with entrepreneurs, there's been a mutual respect for that and understanding. And certainly that's the case here at Colorado with the founders and then more recently with our, with our new CEO. Yeah. I mean, I think most of us have heard the term CF no. So how is right. it that you balance? How do you balance the risk-taking with controls that are necessary? Yeah, I think there's two things. I think first is you always need to explain the why of a new process or new control. No one likes rules just to have rules exist and just have to follow them. But I think most people can appreciate the whys of of a new process or control. And certainly in today's world where data is so important and we're so protective of our customer information and making sure we protect that. When you put it in that context, I think People appreciate that and then they actually support what you're doing and will become advocates. And so that's the place you want to be. So I think that's first. I think second, it goes hands in hands. You have to know the right time to introduce procedures. Sometimes at a stage in the company, it would be great if we could do it this way. It's not a risk area for us today. I know we'll need to do it in two or three years. So I'm going to start laying the groundwork for that but I'm not yet going to implement that sort of uh, policy or process or maybe even say no to something that eventually we may need to say no to. I think that's really the art of the job. And as you said, not being the, the constant person who says no, but who says, what are you really trying to do? And then let's think about ways we can get you there. Or let me talk about how where I see us going in three years and then know that there's a path of how we're going to get there. And that may require some new a new process or us changing the way we're doing things today. And at CallRail, you lead accounting, you lead talent, customer experience, IT, and business operations. How is it that you're able to wear so many hats? Yeah, I certainly have a great team. So I've been fortunate in being able to recruit and, and attract and retain some good folks and certainly had a lot of good folks when I came in. So that really gives me ability to really try to know a lot about the business at pretty uh, thin level and just sort of understand what's going on and, and have an opinion or have some influence on a lot of different areas of, of the business. And I think you just have to realize with these different groups, most of the time, almost all the time, I'm really working with the leaders of those functions to help them, advise them, see how I can remove roadblocks for them or support them. So I think... That's really critical. I wouldn't be able to do that if obviously I was trying to, to go deep in, in all those different categories. It's also something I personally enjoy. Like Those groups are very, very different. Some days I may be working with our head of uh, talent, uh, recruiting or employee item, and then obviously very different from something on the data security or business side. So I kind of I like being able to jump in different areas of the business. But I think uh, the key to that is just knowing at what level and when it's appropriate to really get in the details and when it makes sense to understand high level and sort of direction and get updates. And lastly, as a CFO, what's keeping you up at night these days? What are the biggest challenges that you and your team are facing? Yeah, I think we, we talked about one, you know, in this environment, Recruiting and attracting and retaining employees is probably the number one thing that keeps me up at night because it's such a big part of our sort of growth strategy as we think about our big growth plans and having people to support that. And um, so certainly, I don't think that's a unique sort of challenge for companies our size. And it really impacts all aspects of the business, right? If we're not able to 
attract the folks we want. It just delays growth plans. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that process and certainly have a great recruiting team in terms of attracting candidates, but also on the other side that I mentioned in terms of like, how are we making this the best employee experience possible? And a lot of times that's just little things and making sure, you know, again, we have relationships with employees and are doing the small things. The other ones I would say really besides one is just thinking about our data and our customers' data, which I mentioned in today's world, I don't think you can rest around data security and compliance. Yeah. Um, certainly in the information that we have and that we have our customers or how they're using our platform is, is very important to us. And I think you've always got to be thinking one step ahead. So again, fortunately, I think we've got a great leader in that side of our business. But her and I do spend a lot of time thinking about what's the roadmap look like? What are the risk areas of the business? And how do we make sure that we are trusting our data, CallRail's data, and then certainly data for our customer. So those are the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about sort of uh, high level and then kind of back to the, what are the things that are most important as sort of uh, maybe silly as that seems, there's so many things going on and there's so many priorities and so many opportunities, which is great about these companies. How do we, how do I make sure how do my, our leaders, folks on my team, make sure they're working on those areas, projects, priorities that are going to have the biggest impact? And how do we align those across the organization and constantly sort of adjust those priorities, communicate where we are, where things are going well or not well, and then just continue to move the business forward. So that's probably the one that's probably every night that I think about is like, how how do we move the business? How do we continuously improve the things we're doing today? Jim, thank you so much for being my guest today. Megan, thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you too and hearing about your experiences and all the resulting insights. And I wish you and CallRail all the best. Sounds like you're both doing some amazing things. And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.